welcome to The Process with Mitch Tasker and Josh Shoebridge. This is our first ever episode where we meet our hosts and take the first steps into the podcast world. All right, welcome to the first episode of The Process with Josh and Mitch. Mitch, how are you today? Good, thanks, Josh. Good to be here. Yeah, it's good finally actually be able to sit down and it's taken us uh, an hour just to get everything up. That's my fault, not Mitch's, it's all me. Uh, so do you want to give a bit of a roundup about what this, what you're seeing this podcast uh, would be like, say, in the next 12 months for you? It's something I've been wanting to dip my toe into for quite a while. Um, I feel like I've got something to offer the world. Um Yeah, I just I, I've got a lot lot to talk about, I suppose. Um, even though that pause would suggest otherwise. <laughs> um, See, this is the beauty of this podcast, and I I can edit any of the spaces. That's a, yeah. It's actually it's, it's funny. Like you um, can make me sound probably a lot better than what I actually do. Um, but no, I I think um, you know I've got a, a, a vast um, variety of things that I've done in my short life already, um, but I just you know, I like talking to people. I like hearing their stories as well, and and um, not necessarily um, looking to change anything they do, but I think um, offering insight into different points of view. Um, it's something that I want to open myself up to is different people's point of view on different things to to make myself better. Um, and you know, if if we can help help bring other people up around us as well, you know, that's that's the end goal in, in all of this for me is actually just to bring bring the people up around me, um, and we all you know take what we need to to better ourselves and become better humans. So that you mentioned two things there that to me really pointed out. The first one was that you've done so much in the short amount of life that you've you've had, and like you're you're thirty six. Mm-hmm. Now I've known you for about ten years, and but prior to that, your life was like to me. Like, I don't. Th- I, I never knew you as a as the pro golfer. So you've had that life. Mm-hmm. When I first met you, you were working at a gym. I think that yep. is that right. Yeah, when, you're when, about right. Yeah, when Emmett was born. Yeah, and and then when you moved here, you started a, a very small business. It was literally you bought a truck and a list of clients. Isn't that right? Yeah, and so. And now I look at what you and your wife have done now, and it's amazing just to see this huge uh, like achievement. That's what I see. I, I'm in awe of what you and your wife have been able to achieve. Uh, and then the other thing you pointed out is being able to sit down and open yourself up to other points of view. And mm. that's, to me, that's a very important thing, being able to sit down like with people who don't share the same political views, the same religious views, the same taste in music even like yeah so have you had any of those moments in the last uh, few weeks where you sat down with someone that has a different point of view and hadn't like, yeah i think it's i think it's nearly on a daily basis especially in the current climate with things that are going on um yeah i would say it's on a daily basis mm. um and that's um you know i'm sure that'll come up in conversation sooner or, lo- or later down the line um but i think being open-minded to a lot of things is or to everything sorry to the world um because we never know we don't know any everything and the moment you think you do you know you might as well just 
pull up stumps and, and catch it later. Yeah, well, that's it. It's being able to have that time where you can go, can actually be honest with yourself, which yeah. I think the, there's two things wrong with people. They're not honest with themselves mm-hmm. and they're scared to be honest with themselves. They're the two big, big things. Well, it makes them accountable for themselves. You know, as soon as they put the sand in the lo- uh, line in the sand, sorry, and, and say something that is um, black and white, then they're damning themselves to that point of view. Mm. Um, you know, you could, you could look at a million different things across time and, you know, you know science for example science a hundred years ago said one thing and that point could be completely reversed this day and age with modern technology and stuff that they've worked out along the time so at that point in time those scientists were probably like yep this is the way it is this is fact fact and there's no other way to it nowadays it might be completely reversed on you know i can't think of anything off the top of my head but i'm sure it's happened no it has so if you look at uh what happened with albert einstein's very clear example he discovered things that what they classified as newtonian science or newtonian physics that just wouldn't exist like for the for the a black hole was proven in his theories to exist and then they've discovered them in the physicality interesting thing is that they've used that study on on black holes to create basic technologies that we have today, such as Wi-Fi and wireless technology. And so it does happen. That's that's the point of being open and honest with each other. And like, for, I can actually think of something between me and you that, that's just from a really brief discussion a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about using the app My Fitness Pal and about how the calories and how they're, they're supposed to work in that little calculator at the top. Mm. And taking that, I've, that little discussion we had, made some changes within myself and I've seen some improvements that way. Yeah, and just being able to go, you know, I, I don't know everything. I'll listen to someone who's actually seeing results. I'll listen to people who do know what they're talking about, mm. not people who sit on the toilet and read their phone and go, oh, "I've done my research." And yeah, that's the biggest issue today. Yeah, there's so yeah, many people Google, like that. Google doctors out there, but I think, um, yeah, like I said, I think it just comes down to just you know being open-minded and have a growth mindset. You know, the moment you, the moment you don't. Or the moment you think that you, yep, that's it. I just, you know, you, you, where do you go from there as a, as a person? You know, how like how can you move on, move through life just thinking one thing and then that's it? Because it may affect you down the line in ways that you have no idea because you weren't open to it. Not necessarily change, but just having a different perspective on things and, you know, everyone's perspectives are different, so... All, all that yeah. it, it is a perspective is how whatever it is they're looking at is affecting them. Like, like I know for myself that I had a big change when I became a parent. Like, I when you always see these people on the news who had done horrible things to kids, you're like, oh yeah, they're bastards. Oh, what's this? Blah blah blah. But when you become a parent, it's like this thing is just that perspective changes almost instantly, and it's like it's no longer oh, they're bastards. It's like there you are full on war. You would have you would beat the living daylights out, and if they were in the room, definitely, definitely, yeah. I mean, yeah, bring children into any any situation, and it changes everyone's outlook, especially if they've got their own kids. Mm. Um, it's yeah, that's and for someone who like I've obviously got three children, and um. You know, but to some for someone who doesn't have kids, it's very hard to explain to someone who doesn't have kids what it's like to be a parent and then the feelings you have towards them. I, I, mm. I don't think there's a, I don't think there's a feeling like it or something that's comparable. Um, no, it's that desire. It's not just that desire to teach mm. or to provide. It's protection. Yeah, and, yeah. It's a, and it's all a, this. It's a, it's a massive, 
parenting is just this umbrella of different aspects of bringing a person into the work, the ever changing world and then trying to somewhat guide them along the way as best you can. Yeah. And, and that's hard. Of course that's it is. That's the hardest job hard. in the world. It's the hardest job in the world. And I'm, I, that's one of my battles in life is actually being a good parent. And because again, I'm not a great, I don't, there's times where I'm not a great parent, you know, and I've got a lot, that's one aspect in my life that I really need to work on. It's probably the, the, the most important or the, you know, the biggest gap that I feel where I could be better. So I, where I, yeah, am. I agree with you hundred percent. I, I feel the same way. Like we'll get into this as we go on the, in the show where we talk about, a bit of a biography on each. Mm. Uh, but like, as you know, I've come in of, to a ready-made family. Yeah. So three stepchildren. And then that within itself is really difficult. Like step, Can't even imagine how being, hard that must be. Being a step-parent. Yeah. It's, it's so... Uh, people look at me funny when I say this. I don't wish upon anybody mm. because it is hard. You will, you will either have the, the easiest lots of kids who who understand what's going on or you will have kids who have been traumatized who have been in a situation that they've witnessed things that are just horrible and then they can't trust another male role model that is a parental figure yeah and i sort of fell in that side of it yeah yeah and then mate i've seen it from the outside looking in and mm. you know i don't like i said it's an unenviable position for you to be in Mm. um and I, like I said, it's just a challenge, you know, and oh, yeah. it's one of those, you know, there's no easy, there's no easy way to put it. But for me, the, the thing I was trying to get at is coming there, not having that same mentality of like, these are my offspring, mm. like, like, mm. obviously, like, obviously wanting to provide for them, wanting them to be good kids, yep. knowing that what I teach them does reflect on me. But then I had my, my two boys and the then the other battle goes into actually making sure I'm loving all five of the kids, mm. not just these two little 100%. boys. And that again can be difficult. Yeah. I've come from, you know, I came from a broken family as well. Like my parents split up when I was six and, you know, so I've had um, a couple of stepdads and a stepmom, you know, so I've been relatively lucky in the far, as far as not having many other people step into those roles. Um, but, you know, I, I would say that, um, there's definitely been up, there was ups and downs as a child with my step parents and you know I just can't like I said like you said and like I'm agreeing with you that it's just it's a really hard job and even if the kids are perfect mm. and I don't think there is such thing but um, yeah it's just a like said, it's just a challenge and yeah yeah well it's yeah it's, that's I think it's more the you know. It's just a difficult situation. There's mm. no, there's no two ways about it. And and at the same time, it's. I don't think it's really about. For me, it's not about the daily events that happen. No. It's about those small victories it's, that happen every couple of months or every couple of years. No, that's like life. Like every, you know, I'm. That's one of my go-to things. Is is the one percenters. Life is about the one percenters in whatever you do and. If you, um, you know, just talking about parenting, it might be, you know, that child might take something on that you say and you might not even think about it in any way, but they might, it might stew with them for a few days or even weeks and it comes, it could come back to bite you 
if they've taken it the wrong way or out of context or um and then also too on the flip side if you do something like nice for them or that they appreciate but it means nothing to you at the time that um you know obviously is a good thing but then there should be more of that um but those little wins along the way hopefully outweigh the losses and you can create a relationship that's worth while yeah, over in the yeah. long term no um, that that's exactly right um I, I i actually i see that more so with my eldest so alex who's seven uh, like just little things like I'll, I'll i would have told him something or i would have shown him to do something mm. it's, even if it's just like in passing sort of thing yeah and then i see him he brings it up yeah, yeah later down the line it happens all the time with my kids you know they remember the funniest things and that's the thing too, is that they're not like adults. They don't have a million different things going on. They don't have to worry about cooking dinner or what time to, you know, to be somewhere. Or they just they live, they live, they live their life. And they're very momentary. Like absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And that's why you know those little things and those little things that you might say that might not mean nothing to you, but may hurt them, can actually be really impactful. You know, not even at the time, but later down the line, they might remember that and remember how you reacted to something. And, um, you know, I'm, like I said, I'm no perfect, perfect parent in that scenario because I'm definitely got a lot of stuff to work on in that area. Mm. Um, yeah. But from what I see, this is from my outside looking into yours, it's not about your desire or anything like that. It's, a, it's actually, I think your desire to be a good parent can sometimes, and I see this with myself too, can sometimes hinder the work that I'm doing for my kids. And, and I say it like this, so you work a lot, I work a lot, and my, I'll have a night shift during the week after a day shift. I tell that to my boys and they're just devastated that mm. I'm not going to be home that night mm. to do basic things. Like our routine of a night time is usually me putting them to bed. Yeah. And that's something they're missing out on because yep. I'm not here because I'm working. Cause in my mind, I'm like, Oh, if I do all this, I'm going to provide to them a really good life. But yeah, I'll give you an example. Like when we, so again, I'm, you know, same as you, I'm, I'm, you know, relatively busy and, you know, for me, it's, you know, leave home at six thirty in the morning and, you know, I'm home somewhere between sort of four thirty and five thirty six in that, in that sort of window of time. And, um, that so that it it doesn't allow me to really any time in the morning and then from night you know in that nighttime space i've got probably two hours where i'm in the house most nights mm. in that two hours we're like baths dinner getting ready for the next day getting ready for bed like as minimal quality time so what I try and do is I try and make dinner with the kids I try and make it their school lunches with them you know, even though they're menial tasks and, and whatever, that's just one little thing that I've sort of set into my daily routine because I've got no choice. Like I have to do that stuff. But if I include them into it as, you know, they're helping me, they get a kick out of that too. Because if I say, guys, you got to make your lunches for tomorrow, um, they, they're they a bit, oh, you know, I don't want to do that. Or, you know, they might huff and puff. They do it. They're okay to do it, but... I'll help them do it and then we can make a bit of fun into it. And, um, you know, that's how I, even though they're chores, so to speak, and it's not a fun activity for anyone, it's just a part of what we have to do. But it, but attitude and the way you approach it 
could totally change that whole situation into something good. No, that's exactly, yeah, because it's that time where you're actually able to talk with Interact them. with them, yeah. And that's the, the biggest thing I think doesn't happen a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's times where I'm driving my kids to school and they're, they don't want to have music on. They don't want to have the podcast on that I put on. They yeah. want to talk. They want yeah. to go, I'm doing this at school today. What are we doing this afternoon? When can we do this? Can you make this for me, Dad? Can we do this? And it's that point, like, that. there's that choice that we all have. Do we go, do we mute what's on the, on the stereo or do we turn and listen and talk? Mm. And I think a lot of us make that, we make poor judgment calls sometimes on that regard, like especially if we've had a rough day. Oops. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I'm, I'm a big, my issue, my biggest issue is my temper. I, mm, I, I can get sure. temper at the end of the day. Mate, I think, I think every, well, not every man, but I'm sure the vast majority of men have a, have some form of temper issue with their own kids. And it, the funny thing is, is, and I'm sure you'll agree on me with this, is that there's no way you would, treat another person's children as poorly sometimes as you would treat your own kids when i say that i mean no i like, agree no, like, the, talk, yeah. like talking rough to them or you know you know th- threatening is the wrong the wrong word but like it's it's very aggressive aggressive yeah. yeah and and i'm like i said i've got a lot to to pick up there because i'm very snappy with my kids because because of the pressure i put on myself with the rest of my life and that's mm. not their fault that's got nothing to do with them no. You know, in my mind, I'm trying to provide for them and trying to make a life for them um, by what I do for work and stuff. But they don't deserve to be snapped at or whatever for no reason. Like that's no, got nothing no. to do with them. And, 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 they could and be... quite often, I, I I have to check myself all the time in that in those scenarios because I'll snap at them for nothing, and it's purely got to do with because I'm dealing with my own shit in my own head that I'm I just I'm trying to work out in my head at the time or whatever it might be and they're just talking and playing and having fun and I'll snap at them and and you know totally kill kill their mood for no you know f- for no fault of their theirs at all no I, I, I was there this morning yeah uh, and it's like you well that's actually a really good segue like you've been talking about all the stuff that you do mm. and in my head, like as an outsider, you do a crap load, and, and yeah, got a bit going on. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. So we'll, we'll go with you. We'll go with what you're doing, then we'll we'll have a chat about what I'm doing, and yeah. see, see how we we tee up with how yeah, yeah. time poor we all are. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, what what part of my life do you want me to oh, talk about? Well, okay, let's let's start with. Uh, when you first moved here to Bega Valley, also oh, yeah. you you're a, yeah, you were right. a local here, yeah. but when you moved back from yeah. from up the coast, you started a uh, lawn care business. Well, yeah, it's a bit different. It's not quite like that. I'll um, so I moved back to the area and left a good job, you know, making okay money, and come back here and couldn't get a job anywhere. Couldn't I was applied for all sorts of traineeships. Um, apprenticeships could not get a run anywhere. I was, you know, mid twenties, fit, um, business diploma, um, coaching degree, um, qualified golf professional. Had been travelled the world playing golf. Uh, managed a gym to eight hundred members in six months. Uh, ran a golf sh- golf shop for two years. 
done a few different things yeah. within in the business space, um, but never actually run my own personal business. I mean, being a professional golfer, you are your own business. So yes, I was running, but I never thought about it like that. I was just working hard, playing, you know, playing, practicing, traveling. Um, yeah, it's not like you were managing employees. No, I was just like managing that. myself really. Like I, you know, it was, yeah. So anyway, I moved back to the area, couldn't get a job anywhere. Um, was just, I actually got a job at the golf club pulling beers. Um, and I'd spoken to um, a guy who I'd played golf with and he was, he had a lawn mowing run at the time. And I just sort of said, oh, look, I'm interested in doing, doing this. Um, and I don't even know where that thought come from, to be honest. Like, I just think I just liked enjoy, I enjoyed mowing my own lawn. And I think that's where 99% of mowing contractors and that start out is that they, they just get a kick out of their own grass and then think that, you know, they might do it for a living. So I sort of start, I pie in the sky, thought I could start from scratch, but I had bills and mortgage and, um, you know, a child then one, you know, and a wife and, because you, your middle so, child was on the way at this no, point. No, 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 no. We hadn't. We, we just had Emmett at that time. Um, mm-hmm. So we just had one one baby, and you know our life was up in the air at that stage. You know, we we really had nothing. Really, we just sort of moved back on a whim, and um, just because we wanted to be closer to our you know our family. Mm-hmm. Uh, purely, that's all it was. It's the only reason we moved back. It wasn't for any other reason because we had nothing to come back to. So um, apart from family, so that was just a conscious decision to be closer to our family. Um, anyway, this guy knew of another mowing contractor in the area that was looking to get out. He was an older guy in his mid sixties, um, had a, a truck and a trailer and, and a few mowers and whatever, and, and a quite a substantial run. I would think he probably had one of the bigger, biggest, bigger runs in the area. Um, and basically I had 10 grand and I borrowed 25 um and bought this guy out um and paid probably paid way too much for what i what i got um in hindsight but what it did was that the moment i bought the business i was making an income and that's what i needed at the time i just needed cash flow to pay pay some bills and get going um so that was that was you know my dad sort of said it best he just said you just need to go and just just work you know just mow and just just get going um, you know, and basically cut a long story short, I just said yes to everything. So from the day dot, I was, you know, um, yeah, anyone who asked anything, I did it. Mm. What didn't matter what it was. I, if I was capable of doing it, um, and even if I wasn't, I would try. <laughs> so yeah, I think you could have seen that with as an again as an outsider looking at the evolution of of that business. Like yeah. you went from just doing lawn care yeah. to then roads and then trees yeah there's, then... there's been a lot of evolution of it um and we're, we're sort of fortunate to the point now we've kind of been able to refine it to what our staff are good at mm. um and what we really excel in uh, what we're equipped for and um yeah so it's been i mean it, you know originally it was just sort of general general garden maintenance and lawn mowing um, and then we actually started landscaping and that blew up, like the landscaping side of things blew up. And that's when my wife really sort of stepped into the business quite heavily. Um, she was, she was mowing with me for a while and, and trust me, working with your wife is never, is not an easy, 
easy thing for for either of you um especially for a, a park many 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 <laughs> many uh many times hannah hannah left me um left me is the wrong wrong term she basically just got the shits with me and we would have an argument and then she was she'd walk off and just leave leave me out working and to be honest i don't blame her for that and you know that's that shows her stubbornness but also her um ability to stand up for what she knows is right and and also to that you know and i think that that trait is also what's got us to the point where we are now yeah, well, that's it. And, and just a bit of um, clarification for anyone who's listening. Uh, our wives are sisters, mm-hmm. and they behave fairly identically when it comes to... In a lot of ways, When yeah. they're passionate about yeah. something and how they express that passion. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh, which, which is funny. It's, it's funny to see the similarities and also the differences in the two of them. Mm. I actually find it quite hilarious yeah. watching them interact. I think as they get older, they get more similar though too. Because I think as younger people, they were extremely different. Yes. Um, But as as they've grown and matured and and changed and evolved over time, I think they've sort of come back together as far as what they um, and how they interact in in life. Yeah, well, one thing I've noticed, especially with my wife, is that her sense of, sense of humor has evolved mm. in the 10 years that we've been married to this it's really she went from being very prudish in her in, in her jokes mm. yep. to now cracking some of the most disgusting jokes yeah uh, we, you know i think they, that's that's got a lot to do with the people she's hanging around with too oh yeah it doesn't um, help in, me, well no i mean them. you know that she, uh, she's actually hanging around with people now yeah well that's that's true. Different people. That's yeah. true. Instead of just being at home or at yeah. work, she's like she's involved in the local sports club. Yep. She's involved in other uh, the circles. So, bigger. Yeah, that's it, and that's always a good thing. Absolutely, that's always a good thing. And I think people. That's I think that's a big thing that there's another podcast to listen to that they talk about uh, is being involved in a group of people that not necessarily share your values, but share a common value of wanting to build you up. Mm. And that's, There's one thing yeah. that I'm think I've been thinking about a lot lately, and I've had the conversation with um, a couple of different people now, is that I'm extremely fearful of echo chambers, mm. um, and that's I, can, I mean that can happen within your friend group, um, and I think it, that's where it happens first, right? And then yeah. and then you know nowadays that happens online heavily, um, you know, oh. and it like going back to what originally said about having a growth mindset, being in an echo chamber and hearing just the same crap over and over again and the same um, opinion on, on different topics, there's no growth in that. No. There's, you know, and, and it's the same with, with um, I mean, friend, friends are friends and family is family, um, but being opened to actually express an opinion that may differ can help or hinder or you know it's a it's a it's a sometimes it can be a touchy subject yeah and a tough line to walk i noticed that a couple weeks ago when um all all i said i said something we were at um up at the caravan park Mm -hmm. and i said something just a factual thing that happened it was like a news story came out but i mentioned it to your wife i've gone oh don perite is now premier that's a good thing that's my opinion Mm. and the minute i said that i always mention who said it Mm. but someone's like we're not talking about stuff right now Mm. It wasn't. It wasn't you. It was, no, I could imagine who it was. And I'm. I'm just saying, why? Yeah. 
what, what what's the harm in, in just going, oh, something's happened. That they Head do. in the sand mentality, we'll call that. Yeah. And they don't want to talk about it. They don't want to be challenged. Mm. That's what I, that's what I've picked up is like being sure. challenged in, in your opinion. Like, yeah, you can be wrong. I've, I've been wrong many a times. Mm. And like, we like, all have. like I've been wrong on the public stage yeah. on a, on a couple of instances and it's humiliating. Yeah, absolutely. But you, it, at the point, that's the point. That's, that's your jump point. Do yeah. you, do you go, I'm going to learn from it or I'm going to go, I've failed. I'm not going to try again. It's like, use this podcast as an example. I mean, this is episode one. Yeah. You know, it's something that I've thought about for a long time and wanted to do. Um, but being younger and more, um, scared's not the right word, but like, I suppose. The apprehensive? Well, just not, not, not being, uh, oh, sorry, being afraid of actually voicing what I actually think, you know, yeah. into, into, to the people who I care about. Um, and now I'm of the opinion where now I've grown and matured and, you know, I've, I'm open-minded enough to go, well, I'm okay to hang around people who have different opinions to me. Yeah. Like we could use our family as an example. Like I, I mean, you were probably a prime example. Exactly. That's what I'm saying is that, you know, with our religious beliefs, like it's, it, that, that's something that I've, um, you know, Hannah, Hannah being coming from that, from a family who is heavily into religion, I've never, ever once had any grief from them about not being religious, but it also goes the other way too. I'm more than happy to be a part of those situations with them and I don't look down on it or I don't, that's their choice and their belief and their opinion or whatever you want to call it. Um, But all I I care about is that they're good people. If they're good people, I want to be around them. That's it. And that's, it's, you know, I just, that's that's my motto, one of my mottos in life. You know, there's no point being just hanging around shitheads. You know, no, or, and that's um, yeah, exactly, exactly. And I'm very picky on who I hang around with. Like, yeah. I, I just started. This is another like, like, pointing out differences. Like you, you, you were the surfy jockey sort of guy in high school. Mm. I was the geek, big yeah. geek, massive geek. So like into Warhammer and that sort of stuff, it's, which I, which I liked. I think I think you're stereotyping me a little bit there. Like if you knew what I was like as a as a teenager or as a person yeah. within school yeah but that's the thing i didn't know no that's so, another yeah, going yeah. Off, well, yeah. going you, off you a, had yeah. stereotyped yeah. me into that yeah. into that niche uh, but i was one of those people that i had i was with friends with every single group you're one of the social flows yeah, yeah i never had like i had one like a, a solid group of friends but i was never um and i don't even know where that come from to be honest that was just something that um i suppose I think golf probably taught me a lot of that, mm-hmm. um, and hanging around older men as a young man, as a young child, even you know, like I was, I was competing against men when I was from ten years old, you know, and so when and, you, you're hanging and around, and that would sort of mature you. Oh, hundred percent. I was, I was, a, I was a man child, you know, like I, in my mentality, you know, and I think that just sort of opened me up to, you know, everyone's different, and mm. but doesn't mean they're a bad person, you know. No, if no, it's no, no. They, they, yeah. Everyone but, deserves a time of day. No, this is what I was getting back to. Is a so like bit about myself. I'm I'm a major geek um, when it comes to a lot of things. Mm. And I, when I was in university, I used, I was a part of an organization called the SCA, which is the Society of uh, 
chromatic. I can't remember the actual acronym now. Mm. But it was essentially it was medieval fighting. Yeah. <laughs> so we, I did fencing. So I did Olympic style fencing. Then on the off days I would go and do this reenactment fencing, which was using different techniques, different tools, and it was really fun. Really good workout too. You'd be wearing all this stuff and you'd be sweating like mm. a garbage bag was on you. But I uh, just last week went to my first day of Viking sword fight training down in down in Marimbula. And one of the first things I started doing was si- not, not sizing people up to go, oh, I could beat you, I could beat you. It was like, are you a good person? Like, yeah. are, you, are you an honest person? Like, they were the two things I was looking for. It wasn't like... Yeah, as a, as a kid, you're only, you're only focused on the, like the, the, you know, how big the other team is or how, you know, can I compete against this person? Am I going to get beaten or, you know, am I going to win or whatever? Um, but, at, you know, like you said, as you mature and um, as you get older, you just want to be around cool, you know, nice people, good That's people. And, and I found that. So I was actually lucky enough. There was a guy I knew who came along too. I was who I'm friends with in another social group and we were able to have that bit of rapport. Mm. The guy who's coaching, totally good guy. Like only been messaging him on, on Facebook yep. to organise when this was on. And it was really, it was being in a group of people that want you to succeed, but at the same time wanting to have that combat conflict, yeah. which is, which is, it's not a negative thing. It's, no, to, it's, it's a positive, it's a hundred percent a positive yeah. thing because that, that we still have that in us. And I think the more that that comes out um, in society about just becoming better, you yeah. can't, you can't become better if you're constantly around people who are beneath you and that's mm-hmm. take that as you will. But there's only one way to get better and that's challenging yourself and whether that's academically physically whatever it might be if you need to challenge yourself to step up and 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 that also goes into conversation and intellect and all that stuff as well if you you know if you're constantly the smartest person in the room how are you going to get better Uh, that's it i so for me when i when i uh, started university so i I started university while I was still in year 12 and I was doing a bachelor's of uh, was it what they call it creative arts design and technology with focusing on light and sound engineering in long long story so I was doing sound management and lighting design for theaters so like theaters where plays are on it's funny when I say I used to be a theater tech people used to think I used to work in an operating theater like mm-hmm. oh, I'm not that smart yeah, yeah. and so uh, you might be, you just didn't study for that. No, I didn't. Yeah, I'm not, I don't think my brain's equipped for it. Uh, and and that's probably because... There are only skills that can be taught, learnt, whatever. Yeah. Don't, don't yeah. say yourself short, mate. That's true. I'm trying to become Emperor of Australia, so <laughs> there we go. Emperor. But, yeah, we're going to change away somehow. Yeah, right. Cool. <laughs> no. Um, Do you get a uh, sword with that? Oh, better. <laughs> <laughs> Trial by combat, Yeah. Mate. Trial by combat. So what... I I discovered is my first and second year at uni, I was learning so much because I'm being thrown into this environment where I was very familiar because I'd been working at it as a, a very amateur sort of level at the school and then when I started working for the Playhouse Theatre in Hobart and I, saw, I understood and then I learnt more and more as I went. And on my third year, I was sent to do some placement at the Theatre Royal, which is Australia's oldest theatre. And there's a guy there, his name's Ghost McDonald. His real name's Andrew, but 
It's ghost because he's pale as hell and doesn't come out of that theater. <laughs> and he, he taught me so much. Just just following him around and being that guy who was the gopher who held the measuring tape, who did this, learnt so much. And there was a another guy who I worked with at the playhouse. His name's Smitty. His real name is Andrew. Um, yeah, no, Matthew Andrew Arthur. That's so. Andrew Arthur is his last name. We call him Smitty because he had only first names. Yeah. Uh, really good bloke. Uh, got a lot of time for these people. Like, every time we go to Tasmania, I try and catch up with them. But again, I was that guy. I was learning certain things, and it wasn't until my fourth year, uh, I was working on a show. It was called A Slice of Saturday Night, which was run by the Playhouse. It was a three-month season. I was called in to come and work on it two weeks prior to open. And I'm thinking, oh, sweet, I'm majoring in lighting. That was what I was doing. I had no real love for sound at that point. And they said, we need you to come in and operate. My sweet, easy days, I'll be in there. Done. Cool. I get there and they've given me a book, sound and how it works for dummies. And here's a sound desk. You need to do this. So I spent two days learning. And that yeah. was like, I was the lowest of the low at that point trying to figure out how to do this. Got through it all. And then discovered through that point of awkwardness and, and fear an amazing love for sound and sound engineering. Mm. And that's where I sort of left lighting and went to sound, which led me down to a path of doing a lot of other things within the theatre. Even when I, uh, after I finished working at theatre I was working at a radio station I was announcing and producing and it, it's it, funny how you say that and how you describe that I feel um, like the, our stories are quite similar in the sense that you sort of start out knowing nothing and not even being interested in what you're actually doing but becoming passionate about it because you're making mistakes and you know good to begin with but the passion is actually within the fact of evolving and becoming better within that yeah within that space it's it's yeah it's it's seeking perfection in the act that you're doing even if it's mundane at that time whippersnipping was one like you know talking about a mundane task like to the normal person um you know creating a nice edge or doing you know whippersnipping a place really well that that is like the icing on the cake for a lawn mowing job. Anyone can push a lawnmower around and, you know, but I can remember when I started and the guy who I bought the business off did a couple of weeks with me in the transition of the business. And I remember just one day, like he got the, he sort of, he didn't get the shits, but he's just like, you've got to get better at this. Like you suck basically. And, um, from that moment on, all I did was read like YouTube and because he not offended me but i just knew straight away that i needed to get better and no one is ever going to wake up in the morning and go i want to be the best whippersnipper in the world it's not it's just not a thing but what i just took that not offensively but took it as like righto i need like i'm gonna i'm gonna be really freaking good at this yeah you know and i'm gonna step my game up and i'm gonna be the fastest neatest lay the straightest lines do everything i can and i became passionate about that just that attention to detail even though the task itself seemingly is whatever you want it to you know whatever you think it is in your in whoever's listening to in your minds but to me it become the you know 
my point of difference within my business about how good we edged, you know, and that, that went from me being, a, you know, no good at it to being the best. That's in it. in my opinion, but when it's your business, you're like it's it's gonna be good. Yeah, that's right. And if it's not good, yeah, we're like, we're going nowhere. Yeah, you know. So it's yeah. I think um, it's like you said. You you didn't go into that into that role wanting or or thinking you were going to be an audio technician, but that just become part of you do and I think that was probably because you were no good at it to begin with and because that's what I see that's where I see the the similarity in in where it is is that we were no good at what we were doing but the the challenge of becoming better and becoming good at it was was what we were passionate about so there was an instance that happened it was I'm trying to think now I think it was two shows later so we did Slice Saturday Night, then we did The Wind in the Willows, and then we did another show called I Hate Hamlet, which was very light and sound-orientated, both those shows after it. And at that point, because of the the way that we had, we didn't have that many workers in, who were qualified to do any of those tasks. I ended up doing lighting and sound for both of those shows at the same time. So I had a lighting desk here, sound desk next to me, the play button there for all the sound effects. So I was mm. jumping around like a... Chewy's head cut off in the lighting desk. And there was this one point, uh, so we had an actor in, who came and who was visiting from England who was work, who worked on both of the shows. He worked as a producer in the West End in London. And this is the best compliment I ever received. And it come after a complete and utter cock-up of, of what happened. So we're in a, a scene in I Hate Hamlet. The, the premise is the main, main character is a a sort of washed up TV star who's trying to do Hamlet in in Central Park who's then visited by the ghost of this famous Shakespearean actor and this the ghost is teaching this guy how to to, to, to portray Hamlet and there's this scene where it called for a really sharp and very loud lightning strike and so I'm there I'm I've got my cans on which is like headsets so you're hearing from this from the stage manager and they've given me the cue to prepare for that sound effect. So I've got everything there. And I heard a couple of the other stage guys on the can saying, make it loud, make it loud, make it loud. I'm like, yeah, fine, I'll make it loud. And literally, as the call for the SFX cue came up, my finger was about to hit the button. Lightning struck the theatre. Biggest loud crack up that's ever happened. My entire sound desk went down, except I could still hear the stage manager and everyone's like, Josh, that was the best. That was awesome. <laughs> so realistic. And I'm like, it wasn't me. <laughs> and I have no sound system. It's all dead. And so I'm trying to fiddle all that, catching up the lights. And at the end of the show, go down. We, we finally get everything back. So I had to literally leave the lighting desk and time it so there wasn't a a light change between me going back to the fuse box and then back and forth, back and forth, hopefully that nothing's popping on the speakers causing anything off. I didn't hear it, so I thought everything was fine. In the show, I get down there and this actor comes up and he goes, that was one of the finest uh, tech runs I've ever seen. I'm like, what do you mean? Like, there wasn't any stuff-ups, the lighting was great, this, this, this. I'm like, you have no idea what happened out there. I explained it all to him. He goes, mate, if you have a nice job... If you want a job in any theatre in London, you've got a job. Yeah, right. So I'm like, that's cool. That's one of the best yeah. compliments I yeah. ever received, and and it was at that point that I realised that I needed to be able to find that 
like that perfection in my work. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I could have everything timed right and then I could wish that a lightning strike would hit there, but I need to be able to make sure I've got the right sound effect. I want to have the right level in sound and it's, and it's so different to anything else that I've done in my life. Because it, it's not only is it stressful, it's just real. It's it's like a stress that you crave. Mm. And it's so it's so weird. <laughs> I think the stress cut. Well, the stress that you crave is probably the end, like it's the end. Getting through it is what is great, and is is the, the is the you know the satisfa- the satisfying feeling comes from completing your task and doing it well, not necessarily the actual physical act of doing the task. Yeah, it's no, the no, end. You, it's the end. It's like right. when you, you know, when you work out, like you dread that workout, and you know, and you you like fire out. I still got to go for a run. I still got to go and lift the weights, or whatever it might be. That's like the the hard bit. And then once you once you do the workout and you finished it, that's where the that's where the good feelings come. Yeah, like afterwards when you're sitting there, oh, that was good. And yeah. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, that feels good. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah I've, got a, I've got a there. pump going on. Yeah. I'm, you know, I feel fatigued. I feel like I've actually done something. Mm. That's where the satisfaction comes from. It's not the actual lead up or the, you know, you know, they always say that the hardest part about going for a run is actually putting your shoes on, you know, and just... It is. You know, so once, because once you know your shoes are on and you're ready to rock, you... Yeah, that's you've got no choice now. You're going. You're you're going for that run or whatever workout or whatever it might be. Um, but then the feeling yeah. at the end is is what you you know is what is the good part of it. That's it. Well, look at it this way: like you just completed seventy five hard. Mm-hmm. I'm on day seventy four. Yeah, right. And so I'm going to give myself a couple of days, and I'm going to go again. Like yeah. I actually haven't decided if I'm going to do phase two or just do seventy five hard. Phase one, yeah. Or whatever it's called. Yeah, phase one, yeah. yeah. So and I. But just no, noticing the differences that in, in the way I'm making choices, like, is that, what was the biggest thing for you when, with 75 Hard? Um, I think there's... I think we should talk a little bit more about what led, like, the precursors to, to doing 75 Hard. Um, I gained so much from 75 Hard, but it probably should be its own podcast on its own okay talking well, about that so, but okay before okay we'll leave that for, for, the, for yeah, another episode yeah. but i will ask you one one question what was day 76 mm-hmm. what how did you feel when you woke up that day like i wanted to just keep doing the same thing mm. in my mind i probably want i I think that's the that's the thing with seventy five hard is that it it makes you it like it I won't say it's life changing for me but it certainly changed me um, in in ways that you can't like like I can't just physically say or like it's it definitely changed me in the way I'm acting and you know I, I certainly know where my flaws are um, in in what I. Um, what I do that's what it probably does it it, it exemplifies and highlights what you what you pour at but the the physical um, and the mental challenge of actually getting through it and and completing it and doing it and sticking to those tasks is is what you gain out of it 
Mm. It's not. It's not about the the weight you might lose if you're trying to lose weight. It's not about the you know the actual physical side of things. It's the it's the gains you make mentally that is the biggest change, and that's what I found with it. But day seventy six for me was um, I really didn't do too much different until the night time, and I had a humongous meal, and honestly, I felt like shit. Like I, 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 but not like I felt bad because I ate way too much, but that, you know, that was just a physical pain of just eating too yeah. much food. Um, but my mental side of things, I barely slept because all I was doing was thinking about like I was, I can, I woke up in the middle of the night. It was like one thirty in the one thirty AM and I redid my whole workout schedule that it was going to start on Monday. Like, so I re I reprogrammed my whole thing um i was thinking about meals that i was going to make myself um i was just totally just game back on yeah and but it was due to the fact that i messed up and when i say messed up like it's not i i didn't i didn't go out and have like maccas for breakfast lunch and dinner and kfc in between like yeah i basically ate normal meals through the day i had a couple of couple small meals actually because i knew we were going to have a bit of a feast on saturday night and i ate thai food like it wasn't super bad. Like I ate curries and, um, you know, just Thai food. and um, But I ate, I ate copious amounts of it, like yeah. copious amounts so, of so it. So instead of saying keeping within that sort of respectful yeah. calorie range, yeah, yeah. it's like, you know what, bring it on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I just ate everything. You know, we had ribs and we had, you know, but it, like I said, it wasn't, Cool. It was, you know, Thai is fast food, I suppose, but it's, um, you know, there's plenty it's a, of worse it's things. Bit, it's a bit healthier. It's, it's sort of, a, you know, it's halfway between, between, you know, a super clean meal and, um, you know, and that's, you know, that's nutrition is a whole nother topic. And I do want to yeah. talk about that at some point along the line. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, but, you know, and then Sunday, again, I just sort of backed it up with, with bigger meals than what I normally eat, but generally decent quality food. Yeah. Um, and foods that I, you know, just I just ate more than what I normally would eat. So, what's something I've and then hop back on again on on Monday. Yeah, no, so, no you yeah. sent me a message about you had like you you lost a bit of weight. Yeah, like within the first few days because you you went from having those those large amounts back to you. Do you want to know exactly what happened? All right, tell me. So. I weighed in, I had a low weigh-in on Saturday morning, so day 76. So I finished it, the Friday was the last day, it was day 75, and I'd lost 10.4 kilos from the, from day one to day 76. Yep. 10.4 kilos, so I went from 84 kilos down to 73.6. Quite substantial. I don't think I've ever been as, like, shredded or, um, you know, veins popping and all kinds, you know, ever in my life. Um, I I weighed myself purposely before I went to bed on Sunday night to see how heavy I actually was. Mm. Typically for me, like I'll I'll um, over the weekend because I've got quite a strenuous job throughout the week. My my weight generally sort of stays pretty level through the week, but then I'll like I'll obviously. Um, maintain a bit of water over the weekend mm. this is just like i know ex- i can nearly guess to the gram how or to the 100 gram 0.1 of a gram um of a kilo what i'm going to weigh when i'm 
when I get on the scales. Anyway, so that Sunday night I weighed in at 80.6 kilos. So in 36 hours, I was seven kilos heavier. That's a bit of effort. When when I'm only like in the 70s, that's like 10%. So I'd put on, obviously the majority of it was water. I'd, I, over those two days, when um, typically if you hit, you know, most people they say if you're going to have a good bit of food, you know, a lot of food generally try and drink a lot of water. So I drank, I think that both days I drank about eight litres of water um, to help fill me up a little bit as well so I didn't quite eat as much because I knew I was going to eat yeah. um, and obviously with that I, I retained a lot of water over the weekend I weighed in on Monday morning at 78.6 uh, or something like that so I, I, I dropped like a couple of kilos just overnight yeah. um, obviously in water uh, and then I within a week I'd actually I yesterday morning I had a, had a low weigh in so I was 73.5. So I went straight back on exactly the same calories that I was yeah. before. Um, and yeah, I was I weighed in low yesterday morning. So And, and that's something I'm gonna, in a future podcast I'll talk to you about because that's something I, I struggle with is finding the right nutrition. Mm. Oh, I don't know the pro- nutritional process is probably the yeah. best way of putting it. Yeah. Um, and that's, again, just one of my... Struggles that I've had mm. for a very long time, hence why I've got the excess weight. Yeah. I, I, now I'm doing like as I said, I haven't really dropped for me a noticeable amount of size. Yeah, but my fitness levels of like, yeah, I'm fitter. Yeah, a lot fitter than yeah. I was. Yeah, and that's why like, when I looked at when I finish uh, you know, tomorrow, it's going to be well, I'll probably take a day off so I can just mm. get do it take a week off take, yeah. you know whatever yeah. Yeah. the reason yeah. one reason <laughs> again this is um, like me thinking ahead but also to trying to preserve myself to a degree as well and be a little bit selfish was the fact that Christmas falls on the on day 76 so yeah. the 25th so I if I complete 75 hard again and that's if you don't stuff up at all. It's right. That's if I hit every every single thing in the meantime, 75 days in a row. Um, and trust me, I'm battling at the moment. If you've uh, anyone's read the book, you'll understand that that first, it's from day sort of six, five to 10 or 15 is really, really tough because you're right in that stage where it's like, ah, oh, if I fail now, it's only a week in, whatever, you know. You're sort of playing those mind games with yourself and and I'll admit I'm struggling at the moment like just with that thought but the only thing that's keeping me true is is, is I want Christmas to not be on 70 to be off you know to be able to eat what I want and have it you know have some you know great times with my family and not that I can't have great times with my family now that's worded poorly but you know, no, Christmas is about yeah. eating and drinking and yeah. just being merry, so yeah. to speak. Yeah, that's it. It's about having that day where you're celebrating yeah. everything. You don't want to have that hinder. No. And, and the one thing I picked up on, so for part of my diet that I'm doing for 75 Heart is um, I'm doing intermittent fasting. Mm-hmm. I don't eat breakfast or lunch. Yep. And and what I've found really peculiar is I'm no, I, I went for like the first couple of weeks I was really hungry. Yeah. But now I'm like, I'm used to it. I'm yeah, like, I'm not hungry. Is what it is. Yeah. And, and then when I go to eat a meal, it's like, 
old Josh would be like, you know what, give me two of those. Yeah. Like, two of those. But now I'm like, mm, I can barely do one. Yeah. Like, like the, my capacity to eat is, is, is diminishing. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. I mean, there's a lot to be said about nutritional. Uh, it, it's weird and that's the thing I, I, I like being corrected if I'm making a wrong choice mm. if I can if someone goes you know if you do this you'll see this better yeah, yeah I, I, and I trust people who know what they're yeah, talking about yeah like people who clearly know what they're talking yeah. about I won't take advice like fitness advice from a fat person yeah yes and no like it unless it's learned from my mistakes you, yeah there's there's so many knowledgeable people out there that don't actually then put that into practice look at doctors for example Doctors, Doctors to me, I've, I've never seen, seen like a fit looking, looking like general GPs. Mm. They're yeah, usually like 60 year old men, pasty white skin, overweight, no muscle tone. Just yeah, no, I agree with um, you. It's the physios. Yeah, physios, the actual, you know, the, the physical muscle um, people who work on bodies generally are, are better, but people who are practitioners and you know, again, and a whole other range of topics we could get into oh, yeah. with with GPs are just prescribing. They all they you know essentially do is prescribe medicines. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. that's to to band aid well, issues as opposed to fix them. One of my best friends is a doctor mm-hmm. who left GP practicing to work in emergency because he would rather fix a problem yeah. rather than keeping a ninety year old alive another three months. With the, yeah, with that's, I mean, that's, 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 that's there's a place, place for that. that. There's a yeah, place for that, that kind of stuff. Um, but there's there's different ways to approach different ailments. Yeah, exactly. Like it, you, you, there you go. This it's a can of worms. It is a can of worms. We, I think, we both agree on. Mm. Um, as I said, I think what I've found, especially in the seventy-five hard, and also in the COVID climate, that I've noticed. Like, especially with like with you and your wife, we share fairly similar views mm. on a lot of things yeah. politically and socially. Yeah. Um, I think the biggest thing is that we that we don't share is, is our religious views. But even yeah. then, my, I I don't count myself as a straightforward Mormon. I no. I know I like if I was in Utah, I would not be looked at as an active member of the church. Yeah, but I've also been around people who like American Mormons who drink coke and drink you know caffeinated drinks and you know don't necessarily live the same as what the gospel would tell them to live see but that's the thing like stuff like this is another again can of worms for me there there is nothing doctrinally in the church that says you cannot have caffeine nothing yeah nothing at all. And, not and, a, and this is where people how is it word it's addictive it's an addictive substance or something isn't no, it or... no it doesn't really say that it's um the actual doctrine the scripture that it refers to is just uh hot hot beverages and when that was a when they expanded on that it was just tea and coffee right and it wasn't because of the caffeine they never had a milo then obviously no no <laughs> and the hot chocolate wasn't around then yeah and like, there's so hot chocolates are okay but Exactly, and if you look at the actual word, the, 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 not. that that thing it's called the word of wisdom. It even says to not eat a lot of meat, mm. and I can tell you now, yeah, <laughs> there is so many members that yeah. wouldn't adhere to that part. No. So, but the church, the all the church really worries about these days is tea, coffee, alcohol, drugs, and tobacco. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, like they even come up with a thing saying, "No, we're not telling our members not to drink." 
energy drinks mm. or Coca-Cola or things like that, it's obviously they're not good for you yeah. in, in a large amount. If you're addicted to them, try and stop. Yeah. But there's nothing wrong with it. And it's, it's more about being realistic in, in how people are living to people. And this is where I have an issue with a lot of members of the church where they take that, like these really weird traditions and they see them as gospel mm. and then, then that's it. And then they, it's a term that I call Molly Mormon, that they're like holier than now people yeah. that like to judge people. And this is, this is I, was, I was actually meant to give a talk at church this morning and I didn't end up doing it because we had a visitor from Canberra come down. But one of the things I was going to talk about was how we want to unify and build each other up. There is no point judging someone below us on the ladder that we're on when we're all going to the same way Correct. where you could be putting a hand down to help them up. That's exactly what I was saying before. Like it's, you know, you want to bring people up around you. You don't want to push them down. You push them away. You push them down and push them away. That's going to help no one. And if you feel better about yourself for doing that, then you're not a person that I want to be around. No. It's pretty simple. Yeah, and that's... Uh, I saw this growing up a lot in a small town in Tasmania, tall poppy syndrome. Oh, that's right. And you see it today. Uh, so I put a thing up a few months ago. This is when before they had the local government elections being pushed back of me just saying, look, I'm running. If you have any questions, come to me. Mm. And that entire list of people were just... It was just hate. Yes. And, and this is where, where these echo chains like Facebook and that... They're no good. Mm. I, don't, I don't think I have nothing positive to say yeah. about them. The other reason I'm on there is because I can organise my walk. Comment sections, the cesspits. Yeah. And I don't think I've, I've... I've had to take myself away from them because they're just... It'll ruin you. It's, it, you get stuck into this time black hole of crap. Yeah. There's nothing to be gained out of... Putting yourself in there, you're, you're not going to change, change your opinion. opinion. Yeah, no. and and this is where I again like a lot. Of, like I, I get a lot of messages from from you, from you, from your wife, from other friends with just like things about what's going on in the world, mm. which like again stuff I agree with. ninety yep. percent. Like yep. there's there's certain things that I don't. Yep. And, if I, and it's if I don't, I know I can have a respectful conversation. Yeah, 100%. And we can actually come to a consensus. Going, oh yeah, okay. Whereas there are other members of our, of our family or other members of my friendship group that I know just don't go, don't mm. go there because it's going to be a waste of time mm. or if when they start talking it's like how can I get out of this quick yeah. I had that I actually had that experience this morning as well with one of our members of the family that started talking like okay yeah this is this is not good. this is not beneficial for either of us why yeah and this is again looking at what we're doing here we want every conversation that we have to be beneficial not just to me and you but to mm. people who, who come in to listen because it's we're not going to echo chamber anything no like, like yeah you got to be open and that's it and we will have people on who who are different opinion we'll have, and we'll also look at topics that we both disagree with like so yeah. i'll agree with something that you disagree with and vice versa and that's the best Radio that I ever worked on was with, uh, again, one of my oldest friends. We went to, went to primary school together and we worked on a breakfast show together. Complete polar opposite. Like, he was lefty, I'm, I'm a right winger. We He loved Michael Jackson. I thought he was rubbish and like all this sort of thing. Yeah. But we worked so well together because like we, we still had that mutual respect. We were friends. 
we knew where we disagreed and we knew yeah. how to talk about it. That can create great conversation too, though, too. And I think that's what we're talking about this pretty much this whole podcast is about just being open to new things. Yeah. Open to a change. Change doesn't... You don't, you don't necessarily have to change, but the opinions of other people can sometimes help you become better. Well, well, that's it. And that's why I thought it was interesting. Like when we've... Well, it was last week. Literally last week we we started this dialogue on should we do a podcast? Yeah. And it was... I said it sort of flippantly because for me, like I, I work on podcasts as a, as a sound engineer. I do... I co-host a... When I say co-host, it's more like when the main host is sick, I'll, I'll record on his behalf yeah. on another one. And when I mentioned it, I, I was not expecting the enthusiasm that you showed at all. Like I was thinking, oh yeah, I'm not like this again. This is assumptions that I put on myself mainly. Is that I'm not the cool brother-in-law. I'm not this. I'm not that. But I think the fact that again, we're able to have a discussion. We're able to not bite each other's heads off if we disagree on something. Mm. And we both have the the exact desire of helping other people succeed yep. whilst also navigating our own success. 100%. That's exactly what I'm about. Yeah. So actually, we'll end the podcast in a sec on, on one note. I want you to describe to me what success is to you. Like, What do you see success to be? Oh, it's very, it's a vast, um, it's a vast landscape to navigate. Success to me is, being available to make other people better in yeah, I, I don't know how, how else to word it, but that, like, honestly, I, I can't, I work on myself a lot so the people around me can benefit from me. Call that, I, I don't know if it's selfish. I think there's, there's definitely a self, selfish uh, process to it because I have to be selfish in a lot of ways to make myself be better, you know, as far as time goes, you know, whether it be working out, whether it be, um, create, you know, um, generating more knowledge, um, spending time getting better at at what I do for work. You know, this, that's a lot of self work there, which is makes me selfish with my time. But the end result is there's nothing better than someone coming to me and asking for an opinion, opinion of mine and me being able to help them out with that and, and or, or give my opinion that may help them. And, and I, I don't ever want to feel like I would be directing them or telling them how to do something because at the end of the day, you know, do your own research. However, however, I think I can certainly guide a lot of people to good sources where I've found over time about you know i would personally i feel like i've been in the personal development space um for 16 17 years you know based, you know pretty much since i left school i've been working on myself firstly as a professional athlete then to be a you know to be a better manager then to be a better business owner then to be a better father then to be a better every you know whatever else entrepreneur yeah um, you know 
it's always to become better and so I'm forever learning and yeah. no, I, I, I totally agree with you and the, uh, it's funny I wouldn't have worded it that way mm. because I didn't think of it that way but the way that you've worded it makes a lot of sense mm. and like I think the selfishness would come out of the end result so is the end result you wanting to be fit and healthy so you can go and do whatever you want to do or are you wanting to be a tool for the community mm. to make the community better yeah. and that's I, I just want to be available. I think that's, that's my biggest thing is I, want, I, I don't ever want to have a situation where if someone needs me, that I'm unavailable to them, to that person. I, you know, and whether that's, like I said, the selfishness of actually being needed or, or the fact that I'm always available to help. If I'm not available to help, then what good am I to anyone? No, well, that's... Including myself. Well, that's it. That's it. And that's, I, for me, that was probably one of the biggest drives for me to get my fitness back. Mm-hmm. Like from getting really sick. Yep. And because I, I was, prior to getting sick, I had worked so hard on, I, I dropped, I was, I was 130 kilos. Mm-hmm. And I've, the lowest that I've got was 92. Yeah. I'm now 95. Mm. So I'm That's slowly, I'm slowly getting there. Um, but I was I, running 500 meters was a freaking chore. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Like doing yeah. a sit up was hard. Like push ups. Actually, that was actually one of the uh, yes. exercises that I could do quite well. Yeah. Um, but then now I'll look at where I'm at now. Mm. Like, deadlifting 120 kilos yeah. I'm running 5 kilometers I'm able to squat like yeah. 100 kilos it's the, these are numbers that like to me were unfathomable yeah. long ago yeah. yeah and in a fairly short period of time mind you as well yeah and and it all all that boils down to is wanting to be available mm. not just for me like I want to be available for my kids yeah. I like I've mentioned it before, I'm running for public office. I want yeah. to be available for my community. Yeah. I want to be available for my clients. I'm a support worker. Yeah. I need to be able I think to do that. One, one, one thing that, that and this is, you know, can be thought, you know, the way we're kind of directing that, this, you know, last couple of minutes of the conversation is being physically available, but what it enables you to be is mentally available. That's it. And whether that's confidence in your own ability and that, that comes, comes from, from becoming, becoming fitter. fitter. It's, it's all a combination of things, things. you know, right. having, having all those aspects in your life that are, are becoming, we'll call it fitter, fitter, fitter in your mind, fitter, fitter in your body, fitter in your work, work ethic, ethic, you know, just, just, just you know, increasing where you, from one point to another, enables you to be a better person, enables you to be more available. And at the end of the day, that's a mental thing. It's not a... It's not a whether you can lift more weight than me. That makes me a better, are you a better person than me? It's it's just being actually mentally able to come across a challenge, deal with that challenge the best way you can, mentally and or physically, and then you know hopefully have success with that challenge and then move on. And you know, fitness or uh, nutrition, they're just aspects of the pie, yeah. so to speak, That's you know, they're a percentage, percentage of the pie, you know, and it's, it's, it's 
more about tick, you know getting all the boxes going and, and getting all those things aspects better over time. And that's it, and it is it it is a pro and again process. It's a process, yeah. and that is everything is a process, and it's about taking advantage of those opportunities. Which, in my mind, a lot of the opportunities that are granted to us, we can sort of level against that. We can mm. make them happen for us mm. as long as we're willing to put in that work. Of course, all comes back to the work. That's it. If you're not doing the work, what are you doing? Nothing. That's it. That's it. Like you look at what we're doing within our own personal lives. We're working towards a a future that, again, is scary as hell. But I'm excited. Oh yeah, it's it's an unbelievable time in the world at the moment. Um, There's so much opportunity in all this chaos. Yeah, that's just how you look at it. It's how you perceive it. That's it. And that's it. And that's what we're here for. That's what we're going to be here for going forward. Definitely keep following us. And Mitch, again, thanks for coming and sitting down and having a chat. We'll be doing this regularly. And yeah, thanks everyone for taking their time to listen to the process. You'll be able to find us all on the relevant socials. All of that information will be in the description below. And if you are finding us on Apple Podcasts, please leave a like and a subscription and a review. That would be great. Thanks again so much, Mitch. Thanks, Josh. It's been awesome. We'll catch you guys next week. You've been listening to The Process with Mitch Tasker and Josh Shoebridge. The Process is hosted on Anchor FM. Audio production by Josh Shoebridge. Music supplied by TunePocket.com. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, and all other podcast platforms. Please subscribe and leave a five-star review. Thanks again for listening.